Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life-study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. The Old Testament prophets Daniel, Zechariah, and Joel all speak prophetically of four great empires that would come against God's chosen people Israel to consume and devour. This consuming has been going on for more than 27 centuries now. History tells us that Daniel got it right when he prophesied in chapter 2 that these four empires that would rule the world and wreak havoc upon Israel would be the Babylonian the Medo-Persian, the Greek, and the Roman empires. Zechariah saw them as four horns, and the prophet Joel described them as four kinds of locusts in chapter 1, verse 4. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the licking locust has eaten. And what the licking locust has left, the consuming locust has eaten. Whatever metaphor we use to depict these four great empires, the fact is that Israel has been sustained through this long period of suffering and ultimately will turn back to God and receive a salvation and a restoration. For us, God's New Testament people, these consuming locusts representing all of human government, have also been used by God for His specific purpose and goal, and that is that Christ might be manifest. Matt Miller has joined us, our third program in this Life Study of Joel. Short book, Matt, but it's really loaded, isn't it, in its content? It is, Chris, and uh, I like the way you ended there about the manifestation of Christ, and hopefully today we can enjoy the manifestation of Christ and not just the consuming of the locusts and uh, so much chastisement uh, that we see in the Old Testament in these books that you mentioned. These, of course, Matt, are books of prophecy, these uh, books of the minor prophets that we're touching. And as prophecies in the Old Testament were frequently done, it's metaphorical language, it's, it's poetic language, it requires interpretation. What we're hearing certainly is Witness Lee's interpretation. That's how we're presenting it. But it does seem striking as you start putting these various books together uh, with these kind of prophecies, Daniel, Zechariah, Joel, others, they really seem consistent, don't they, in how they uh, are all pointing at historically these same four great empires that we've talked about already. Yeah, Chris, and with the focus here in Joel of the locusts, Daniel was the great image uh, with the four parts of the image representing these four kingdoms. Uh, Then you have Zechariah talking about the horns representing, also in Daniel was the four beasts. Right. And now we have four categories of locusts here, and this is our third and fourth life studies of Joel, and we've already covered 
in messages one and two of the book of Joel. We've already covered in the life study this point. So it's somewhat repetitive for the listeners who have been listening, but it's such a heavy burden in Witness Lee during the life study. And also in Joel here, he talks a lot about this matter. I wanted to to read back to one of the cross-references in the Recovery Version Bible on the word locust in Joel 1-4 is Deuteronomy 28, which was when God originally made his promise to the children of Israel that if they would listen to his voice. He would bless them and put them, it says in Deuteronomy 28.1, above the nations. Uh-huh. And then in verse 15, it says, but if you will not listen to my voice, and then he lists a long list of curses that will come upon the children of Israel if they will not listen to his voice. And in verse 38 of Deuteronomy 28, you have a verse there. It says, you will put out much seed in the field, but you will harvest little for the locust will consume it. And so one of the curses to God's people is the consuming locust. Well, here in Joel, we see these locusts described as consuming locusts, licking locusts, cutting locusts. And through the pictures of Daniel and Zechariah, we can see this is a the nations in their totality through these different empires over 2,700 years, yeah. starting in 606 B.C., who have been just God chastising his people through these nations, through the curse that was mentioned there in Deuteronomy 28, through these locusts. We mentioned in the first program in Joel that this book is a really a continuation of Hosea. In Hosea was this story, this striking story of uh, how the Lord came to the prophet Hosea, told him to take this harlot for a wife, Gomer. Take a prostitute as a wife. And the whole book revolves around their relationship as a picture, as a type of God's relationship with Israel. And she was unfaithful. Even after bearing him children, she rents off again, you know, and joins herself to other men. And this was Israel's condition as a wife before Jehovah. And as a result, he reacts, Jehovah now reacts by using these Gentile nations, these great empires. And in chapter two, he refers to the locusts again as his armies, Jehovah's armies to bring a kind of chastisement upon Israel with the goal, not just to punish her, but to turn her back to him in a kind of a chaste way again, which ultimately happens at the end of the age we're in today. Israel will return. The suffering, the consuming will be over and an age of restoration will be brought in. But in the meantime, to see these historical fulfillments of these prophecies, to me, very striking. Yeah, I really enjoy it, Chris, and I hope our listeners can be brought into the enlightenment that we have for them today with today's program. All right, let's join Witness Lee now for our first portion. This is a short book, but it covers the human history, including the Gentiles and the Jews, from 606. B.C. up to today. Do you realize where are we today? We are still in the last empire, the Roman Empire. In God's eyes, the human governmental history started from Babylon, then Persia, the second empire, then Greek, then Rome. And this fourth empire, seemingly, it was over. Yes, it was over in its dominion, but it still remains its life. So today, we all are Roman. The whole earth today is under the spirit of the Roman Empire. Even the ancient 
conservative China picked up the Western Roman military, all the armies today are the Roman armies. Then politics, oh, all through the earth today, the politics are just Roman. Then the law, all the laws of the nation today are just a kind of a copy of Roman law. Um, Roman law was written according to the last six items of the Ten Commandments. The army, the politics, the law, all are Roman. All the world is Roman. Roman is one of the four locusts. Think about it. So, Joel gave us a picture of the entire world under the human gentle government devastating this one little nation selected by God as God's elect. That's Israel. On the way, while such a kind of history was going on, one day, God did something marvelous. God poured out himself as a process consummated God upon the believers of Christ to produce the third item that is the church. Not the Gentiles, neither the Jews, but the church in the mysterious age. I tell you, the locusts eventually will work for Israel. And the locusts plus Israel, they both will eventually work for whom? For us, for the church, for the manifestation of Christ. I am a Roman citizen. (laughs) But I got converted into the kingdom of Christ, which is a mystery. I'm here for the manifestation of Christ to what? To hasten his appearing. Matt, for the uh, duration of the program, we're going to be talking about how his last statement, which may seem striking to some people, actually has worked out. How does this fourth locust, the Roman Empire, work for the manifestation of Christ? But let's leave that big topic alone for a minute because we will be coming back to it. Bob Danker and I spoke of this a little bit in the previous program, but let's touch it again, that in a sense, we are still a continuation of the Roman Empire. Of course, this is not literal, but in many real ways, Rome continues, doesn't it? In spirit, at least. Well, one is the politically, the political system follows the Roman political system. The uh, witness Lee mentioned the military. Militaries today follow a lot of the military tactics of the Roman Empire. The right. way they fought wars. Even structure. Their hierarchy is very much in the Roman model. Exactly. And then, and then also the matter of the law. Most of the governments today are based on the Roman law, the legal system. So we could call ourselves today Roman citizens in spirit or in, in the life of the Roman Empire, even though it, we're not called the Roman Empire. But the whole earth today politically could be seen as the Roman Empire across the whole earth, including China, uh, everyone. The whole world government today, in a sense, is represented by the Roman system. And since this is a prophetic book, as we mentioned in our previous program, eventually, even at the end of this age, we believe there will be a reemergence, literally, of the Roman Empire, don't we? Exactly. The restored Roman Empire is what we expect. And in Daniel's image, that was the ten toes uh, mingled with clay and iron. That was the restored Roman Empire that eventually the stone comes 
and strikes and the entire image collapses. That will be the end of human government when Christ comes as the stone that was uncut with human hands. He mentioned something here a little more um, intrinsic, a little more spiritually uh, significant probably, and that is that three things have been produced out of all the years of these locusts operating in the visible realm and what God has been doing in the mysterious unseen realm, and that is three peoples have been produced, the Jews, the Gentiles, and a third category, the church, the body of Christ. And really, this is our category, isn't it? Yeah, and that's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.32 mentions those three categories, the Jews, the Gentiles, or the Greeks, and the church, which is the body of Christ. All right, let's go on. Here's Witness Lee with our second portion. God is so real. Without such a real God, there could never be such a book, which is called the Bible, and which tells us the world history beforehand. No other book on this earth has predicted the human history so accurately, so all-inclusive as the Bible does. So, we have to believe that not only our God is real, but also this Bible is real. We all have to realize this age as a continuation of all the passing ages. So our God is still moving and still working among the Jews and by the nations to perform his economy in the building up of the organism that is the body of Christ. So now we know where we are, and we know what kind of people we should be. Of course, among the three, Israel, the nations, and the church. Do you like to be a Jew? Do you like to be one of the nations? Hallelujah. We all are members of the body of Christ, which is the organism of the triune God. Matt, I remember as a young believer in my 20s, beginning to read some books that uh, opened up this kind of prophecy in the Old Testament to see the historical fulfillment. And as he began that section, for sure, God is real. How could we have such a book as the Bible that obviously is real, if you even look at it in this kind of way? without God being real. And it had that effect on my faith as a young believer, strengthened my faith both in God and in the reliability of his word. But uh, little did I have any realization at that time where we were headed, and that is to become this organic body of Christ. And uh, what a continuation. Chris, this point had the same effect on me as a young man, and it still does today when you realize that the Bible as a book is so real so many years ago predicting that Christ would come, predicting what would happen in the future. And as you follow these prophecies and they're fulfilled, it's just awe-inspiring that not only is the Bible real, our God is real. Mm-hmm. Both God is real, the Bible's real. And, and it's a real faith strengthener to see this. And uh, I, I remember reading one particular book about prophecy that actually, based on the Old Testament prophecies, it had the day of Christ's death not only the year, but the day, so that they would know exactly when Christ would be crucified. And uh, for the real seekers th- that study the Bible, they would they would know that. Yeah. And uh, 
And here we are today as the church, the outcome in the midst of all this, in God's wisdom, arranging all the events of history, creating a group of people, this mysterious group of people called the church. So now we are in the age of mystery, the age where Christ has been manifested and the body of Christ is being produced intrinsically so that he could return physically and bring in the restoration of all things. These are the four crucial points in Joel, these four things that are going on, this uh, this chastisement of Israel, the, the punishment, the judgment on the nations are really excessive in what they do to Israel. As you study history, the atrocities, the Holocaust, all these things, you realize these nations have gone beyond what God would do just to uh, chastise Israel and have been excessive, and God will judge that. And then the, the more critical, crucial thing is this bringing forth manifestation of Christ that wasn't just at his initial coming and happen again at his next coming, but in a sense, the whole church age is the manifestation of Christ, isn't it? It is, Chris, and and, uh, that should be what's happening today in, in our homes, in our personal lives, in an intrinsic way. Christ would be manifested, not just in an outward facade, not just to have an outward representation of the church, but inwardly Christ is making his home in our hearts, as the prayer in Ephesians 3, Christ making his home in our hearts. And as the Lord said in John 14, that he would come to those who love him and make his abode with them, make his home with them. And so uh, this is much more intrinsic than the church on the corner physically that many people, that's the only way they know the church is is in an outward way. Matt, as we're going to hear in this final section, as believers, this really should be our goal, this Christ manifesting in our living, our speaking, our actions, and uh, our inward comfort should be a manifestation of Christ. There's a verse I want to read in Joel chapter 3. I think it becomes important in this last section. Hurry and come, all you surrounding nations, and be gathered. There cause your mighty ones to descend, O Jehovah. Let's uh, listen to Witness Lee, find out about these mighty ones. Now, we know what should be our goal. Our goal is just to enlarge the manifestation of Christ intrinsically, not just outwardly. We don't like to have any outward appearance. We don't like to have a kind of facade. We just like to be so intrinsic in the spirit of the process God and also by the life of our Father, who is the eternal, almighty, divine being. Hallelujah. We have God. We have this book. We have a clear view. So now we know who we are and in what time we are in and what goal we should take. We should take the overcoming way. Not just Christian way, but the overcoming way. To be one of the many mighty ones who can match the unique mighty one. And he is waiting on the throne there in the heavens for us to be perfected and matured. Then the time will be ripe for him to come back, to diminish the nations and to save the Israelites and to complete God's economy with us then the uh, restoration age will be ushered in. And that will consummate in the new heaven, new earth, to have the ultimate consummation 
of God's expression in Christ. That is the new Jerusalem. How good it is. I'm so thankful to the Lord for this. Matt, I'm thankful for this also. And I'm thankful for a kind of ministry that would bring us into this view. He, you know, he said something very striking. I jotted it down. We know who we are. And we know what time we are in. And we know what way we should take. Not a lot of people on this earth can make that kind of boast, can they? No, Chris. That's really quite a statement. We know who we are. We know what time we're in. And we know what's going on. Right. We know what's happening. And we know what kind of life we should live. And, you know, the uh, the mighty ones that in the verse that you read from Joel chapter 3 at the beginning of this portion these mighty ones are the ones who respond to that knowing. It's not enough to know it. You really have to respond to take this way. Eventually, at the end of the Bible, we see that the church as a whole has somewhat failed the Lord. And so in Revelation 2 and 3, there's a call to the overcomers, to him who overcomes. That's the call to the seven churches, each one by one. And so those overcomers are described in Joel 3 as the mighty ones who will come with the mighty one. And I just pray the Lord would have mercy on all of us, myself included. Yeah, it's it's one thing to know, but it's another thing to be in the reality of it. And I think on the one hand, we can say we do have a kind of boast by God's mercy, what has been opened and revealed. But that does not guarantee our becoming a mighty one, does it? No, Chris. And these two life studies begin with Joel chapter 2, verse 12, and go to the end of the book. That's what we're covering. And I'd like to just read one short phrase that I think summarizes it for me anyway. In verse 12 of Joel chapter 2, it says, turn to me with all your heart. I just feel like that's the message for me today. Turn to me with all your heart. Boy, Matt, I want to, uh, if I can, adopt uh, what touched you and make it uh, uh, my portion also. I want to turn to him too. Well, he, he's calling. He's calling for all of us to yeah. turn, Chris. And, and we can't be mighty ones in ourselves. In ourselves, we are not the mighty ones. We're, I mean, in, in We're the Re- weak ones. Yeah. In Revelation 12, it says they overcame the devil because of the blood of the lamb. Right. The mighty ones were failures that learned how to apply the blood of the lamb. Even in Revelation 3 there, the church in Philadelphia, which is the, the overcoming church of all of those seven, they're described as just having a little strength, yet they didn't uh, deny his name. That's right. Wow. Matt, uh, always good to have you in the studio. I mean, I realize you uh, occupy either chair from time to time. All of the life studies for these minor prophets are included in one volume. And so our listeners could still contact us. We can tell you how to get these printed life study messages. You can also read them online at our website, lsm.org. We also have the podcast of the radio program. We have the downloadable MP3 files, all these things now available. Again, it's lsm.org. And our toll-free number, if you'd like to call us, is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online 
free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee, as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today. How can we come to the throne of grace while we're here on earth? Let us therefore come forward with boldness to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace for timely help. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. How can we come to the throne of God in heaven while we still live on earth? The secret is our spirit. The very Christ who is sitting on the throne in heaven is also now in us, that is, in our spirit, where the habitation of God is. Whenever we turn to our spirit, we enter through the gate of heaven and touch the throne of grace in heaven through Christ. Scripture, Hebrews 4.16, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.